What's that, everybody? The SEC getting closer to a nine-game conference schedule again. But could it be in 2025, or will we have to wait even longer? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, we got to jump into it. I uh, got plenty of stuff to discuss. We will go around the converts, but first, we got to start with this news. Coming out this week, Chris Del Conte over at Texas talking about the future of the SEC and scheduling and what that could look like. And uh, he kind of shed some light that the SEC could be moving to that nine-game schedule like we expected. Uh, Del Conte doing a town hall uh, meeting was asked if Texas will play any Big 12 teams. And he said it will depend on if the SEC plays an eight- or nine-game conference schedule. He said it might have come down to if any Big 12 schools would be willing to play only in Austin instead of doing a home-and-home. But he also pointed to the kickoff time for the Oklahoma game, typically at 11 a.m. Central. But Del Conte said he would support a move to the afternoon. He said that would be a fantastic idea. But as for the nine-game conference schedule, Del Del Conte said this. He said, quote, we have eight games scheduled right now. We're working on going to a nine-game schedule, but we have a ways to go with that. I would say this year we have an eight-game schedule. The following year we have another eight-game schedule. Then we'll look at going into a nine-game conference schedule. What's so interesting about this is the SEC only agreed to the eight-game schedule for 2024, at least publicly. They didn't say, oh, we're absolutely going to do this for the next two years. But that's what Del Conte is hinting at. Uh, he went on to say, um, you know, that it's looking like they will approve that nine-game conference schedule, although nothing has been finalized. Greg Sankey, we talked with him at SEC Media Days over the summer and asked him, you know, what went wrong with the vote. Remember, they voted on this back in the summer. And the big problem was a lot of the middle-tier SEC teams didn't want to vote for this. Florida, Georgia, LSU, Missouri, and Texas A&M all voted in support of the nine-game conference schedule. Some of these other schools like the Kentuckys, South Carolina, Arkansas, uh, they enjoy having that four non-conference games, which basically allows you to schedule what we call cupcakes. Now, some of them do have their permanent rivalry non-conference opponents, like Kentucky always plays Louisville, South Carolina plays Clemson. And, you know, look, you lose one of those other three cupcakes, it makes it much more difficult. But we've got some years where, you know, teams have played nothing but cupcakes. Go look at Georgia's non-conference schedule last year. Uh, now, one of those games is required to be a team from a Power Five. But, look, you can always find an Indiana, a Wake Forest, a BYU, a Syracuse. It's not hard to find that. But... Uh, We'll be interested to see those coaches and ADs have to come to the table and say, all right, look, we're fine with the nine nine conference schedule. Because look at it this way. Like, if you're Mark Stoops at Kentucky, 
even if you think you could beat Louisville, you schedule your three other, you know, cupcake non-conference games. That's four wins right there. And then really you only have to win two games in conference to get to six and six and get to a bowl game. And I think a lot of coaches are looking at that saying that six and six and getting to a bowl game is what keeps my job every year. Um, you know, look at Shane Beamer and Billy Napier this year. They fell short of that. They go five and seven because the conference schedules were, were so brutally tough. But that's going to be one of the biggest challenges. You're going to have to win over those schools. And, of course, when money, more money is offered their way, I think a lot of them will come around on that. The other half of this, and, yes, it's the issue with most things, it's money. Uh, the reason the SEC is not playing non-conference games this season is largely because ESPN wasn't going to pay for it. If you remember, the conference had just agreed to terms of the ESPN on a long-term new TV deal. Um couple summers ago and that was when you know the cbs deal was ending and they knew they were going to move full into the espn family um the conference then added texas and oklahoma and expanded so the thing is if you're going to go to nine games you're going to add a whole extra week of sec versus sec games and greg sankey in the sec office said well we want that extra money for that extra entertainment and espn kind of said well we're we're not giving you more money right now. We already signed this deal. So from what I understand, Greg Sankey and them, they kind of shelved it, said we'll revisit this again down the road. So to me, that's the biggest caveat here, uh, or the biggest domino that has to fall. If ESPN is willing to pay more money for the better TV games, of uh, having another SEC game on everybody's schedule in 2025, they could, they could theoretically make this happen by next year. But if not, it's something that'll be shelved and most likely come to 2026 to Chris Del Conte's point. So uh, just to kind of rehash this, if you remember the crew at SEC this morning, Peter Burns and company, they had threw out there the possibility of what that would look like, you know, if they did a um, a four-team a, a four, uh, thing. They had talked about doing pods. I don't know if you'll do the pods, but really what I think you'll do is with a nine-game conference schedule – Everybody will get the three permanent um, opponents, you know, your three permanent rivalries. So, like, Alabama would get most likely Auburn and Tennessee and, I don't know, maybe LSU. Uh, you figure out who the three permanents are for everybody else, and then the six remaining SEC games, you're able to ro- rotate those every every other year. So you'll see the, the other six teams this year. You'll see the other six teams the next year. And what that allows for you – also is every SEC team to go to every venue once every four years. To me, I think that's great. Uh, we've had too much issues with, you know, with the SEC East and SEC West for years with the permanent crossover opponent and not being able to get the rotations evened out enough. You know, LSU went to Kentucky a couple years ago. It had been over a decade since they had been there. You know, Alabama went to the Swamp. A couple years ago, it had been forever since they've been down there. Georgia, I think, still hasn't been to College Station since they've been in the conference. So it's um, it's definitely something that would even things out, make it a little bit more fair. And also, look, it, the SEC can afford to take this risk because of the, co- the playoff expansion. You, know, you get 12 teams into the playoff, uh, the SEC's all, you know, they're going to get a bunch of teams in regardless. So going to nine games conference schedule even with two losses you're probably in to the playoffs so you know it doesn't make it that much more difficult so anyway just kind of a 
something to keep an eye on. Like I said, if they can figure out the revenue part of this from the TV network side and get the coaches and ADs on board, I think this will definitely take effect by 20, at least 2026, if not sooner. I think 2025 is still in play here. But, uh, again, that biggest benefit overall is the balance of the scheduling. Three permanents and six rotations. We'll see what they ultimately uh, decide to do there. But one other note from Chris Del Conte. He was asked about the Longhorn scheduled visit to College Station uh, this year, happening on Saturday, November 30th. He said he wants to restore some of the traditional aspects of that game, and that would mean moving it back to Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. Uh, the rivalry will resume this year for the first time since 2011, and I think that would be a fantastic thing to bring back. Who wouldn't want to watch Texas versus Texas A&M on Thanksgiving night? So we'll see what happens there. Again, got to get both sides to agree to it, but certainly I think that is within a possibility of happening. One other note with Texas, though, uh, I saw Steve Sarkeesian. They unveiled a campaign this week called Texas Lives Here highlighting the culture and the state of mind of the Longhorns. It was voiced by Sark. And here's what it said. Texas lives deep in the hearts of anyone who's ever worn the burnt orange and white. It lives in the souls of Longhorn Nation everywhere and definitely rent-free in the heads of our opponents. Now that we're joining the SEC, we reignite old rivalries and forge new ones where Texas lives, Texas lives just got even bigger. Um, it's an okay video. I just, I wonder is... Texas still coming in with the big head, like, hey, we run things. We're going to crush you through the SEC or whatever. Uh, Got to check your ego at the door if you're coming into the SEC. It is it is a brutal schedule, and I know some of them are looking at the schedule kind of laughing and going, yeah, Mississippi State, real, real worried about them. Well, it's the grind of the SEC schedule. It's the getting beat up by Oklahoma and getting beat up by Georgia, and then you got to go play another tough team. It's just that's what takes the toll on you. Uh, so – We'll see how Texas does in year one in the SEC. One other uh, tidbit here. The, the Longhorn Network is going to fold into the SEC Network this summer, uh, but Texas still owns the catalog that the Longhorn Network produced, and they're working on a home for that content that will roll out in June. So uh, Chris Del Conte said, I think for us to go to the SEC, I can't tell you how excited I am, but we've been telling everybody we're going to stay where our feet are, and our feet are in the Big 12 until July 1st, but we know the anticipation – of going to the SEC is coming, and we want to let everybody know that Texas lives there. So, hey, look, just don't come in with a big head, Texas, and everything will be uh, will be fine. All right. Uh, thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we will uh, head around the conference. We've got tons of tidbits we got to get to. So all that is coming your way in just a second right here on Locked on SEC. But first, I want to run you guys this episode uh, presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. You can get your buckets with your first bet over at FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book right now. New customers that sign up, you get that $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Just get in there and bet on all the NBA action they got for you. Every night, they got the games with the spreads, the uh, over-unders, whatever it is you want to get in, uh, player props, live same-game parlays, all of it is up there for you. All you got to do is simple. You go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You get signed up. And once you're good to go, then you download the FanDuel app. You sign in there. And every single day or evening, you can check it out, get in on the action, make some parlays, and shoot your shot. Again, NBA season is just hitting the midway point and plenty more season in action to get into. Check them out there. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. They are FanDuel. They are the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 
And we roll along here on Locked on SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to every dayers. Keep on coming back. We'll be back on uh, Monday, uh, recapping the weekend that was with plenty of news. So let's do this. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Plenty of action to discuss. Around the conference. And we start over at Kentucky as Mark Stoops officially has his new offensive coordinator. Uh, Mark Stoops announcing the hiring of Bush Hamden. As the Wildcats' new OC and quarterbacks coach, he was at Boise State prior to this. And uh, Stoops saying in a statement, I've known Bush for a few years, spent some quality time with him in 2021. I followed his career, been very impressed uh, with him. He coached under Chris Peterson, Steve Sarkeesian, Eli Drinkwitz, coaches I have a lot of respect for. Hamden said in a statement, we're very excited to join Big Blue Nation. Really admire Coach Stoops over the years and everything he's done to build that program. It's an exciting time to be at Kentucky and be back in the SEC. So uh, the Rich Gangarello hire didn't work out. You know, they had Liam Cohen a couple years ago, brought in Rich Gangarello, didn't do great, brought back Liam Cohen last year. It was okay. Uh, Liam Cohen jumping back to the NFL to be the OC at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Bush Hamden going to be running the offense there for the Kentucky Wildcats. Over at Alabama, Kalen DeBoer adding some responsibilities to the plate of two assistants he retained from the Nick Saban era. Defensive line coach Freddie Roach, he will get the title of associate head coach while running backs coach Robert Gillespie has been named assistant head coach. DeBoer saying after meeting both these guys, it was very clear to me that keeping them as part of our staff is going to be important to our success. They have great relationships with our players and our outstanding recruiters and have proven to be some of the best coaches in the country. So, uh, you know, you want to keep those guys, you got to give them a little bit of a pay raise and give them a pay raise, you got to give them a new title. So makes sense there on that front over in South Carolina, pretty surprising poaching by Shane Beamer and company, Sean Elliott returning to South Carolina. This was from football scoop yesterday. Sean Elliott resigned from his position as head coach at Georgia state and will return to South Carolina as an offensive assistant coach. Elliott had previously worked at South Carolina from 2010 to 2016, serving as interim head coach after Steve Spurrier resigned. But at Georgia State, Elliott was head coach there for seven seasons. Uh, had five winning seasons there, four bowl victories, coming off a seven and six season this past year. Won the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. And they just started up spring practice earlier this week. So pretty crazy that uh, Sean Elliott, 50 years old, is jumping ship from the head coach of Georgia State to go be an assistant coach in the SEC, not even a coordinator. Um, so an interesting move there, to say the least. But we've seen a lot of movement here from coaches with Chip Kelly resigning from UCLA to go be the OC at Ohio State. You had Jeff Halfley uh, leave his job at Boston College to go be the D.C. for the Packers. Kane Womack left his head coaching job in South Alabama to go be D.C. at, at Alabama. It's, it's crazy, but... You know, you got to think NIL and transfer portal and all that's maybe playing a part in some of this stuff and coaches moving around. But Sean Elliott, just saw him down. Uh, we were in Mobile a couple weeks ago. Saw him at the Senior Bowl, hanging out. Looked happy. It's a Georgia State head coach now. He is an assistant at South Carolina. Over at LSU, you never want to make off-season news like this. Uh, one of their uh, freshman running backs from a year ago, Trey Holly, is facing three felony charges, uh, reportedly including attempted second-degree murder. 
Uh, Pete Thamel reporting that Union Parish Sheriff's Office in Farmersville, Louisiana, said LSU running back Trey Holly was taken into custody on charges that include aggravated criminal damage to property and illegal use of a weapon, along with the attempted second-degree murder. He turned himself in on Thursday, being held on a $500,000 bond. Holly suspended indefinitely from all team activities in accordance with departmental policies, according to a statement from LSU. He saw limited action last year as a freshman, played three games, had 11 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown, but uh, not good news there. Uh, the other freshman running back from a year ago, Caleb Jackson, is the one that LSU is very high on, and a lot of people think it'd be the starting running back this year for them, but not good news there for Trey Holly. Very talented kid, but wait to see more details on that story. Meanwhile, LSU did find uh, its new director of player personnel poaching from another SEC school in Ole Miss. Preston Tiffany been working with the Rebels for more than three years and previously worked at South Carolina prior to that, but he will replace Will Redmond, who left for a similar role over at Auburn. So it's kind of a SEC musical chairs. Will Redmond leaves LSU to go to Auburn, and now Preston Tiffany leaves Ole Miss to go to LSU. Uh, LSU had previously lost Jeremiah Bogan and Mike Ferrara uh, to other schools as well, but Tiffany is the second Ole Miss staffer to be hired at LSU. Austin Thomas, previously chief of staff at Ole Miss, he's the new senior associate athletic director for football administration at LSU. Over Tennessee, we found out this week details on their spring orange and white game. They will play it amid construction happening at Neyland Stadium. Josh Heupel's crew will have their uh, orange and white game at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, April 13th. So circle that on your calendar. But capacity going to be significantly limited. Only about 10,000 fans will be allowed in the stadium due to the construction continuing on the stadium's south end, west side, and upper north end. Uh, that game will air on SEC Network Plus, and uh, they will have big screen stationed in Lot 9 for folks to watch the game and tailgate. Uh, they'll also be having a baseball game going on against LSU that day as well. Over at Auburn, uh, details came out of DJ Durkin's contract as new defense coordinator at Auburn. Uh, Auburn insider Matt Cohen Cited a public records request, found out Durkin will be paid a salary of $1.2 million to be Auburn's D.C. this coming year. Uh, that salary could go up to $1.6 million by 2026. Of course, he's been in SEC D.C. for the last five seasons. He was at Ole Miss for two seasons and then A&M the last couple of seasons. So uh, experience in the SEC coming to join Hugh Freeze's staff there at Auburn. Over at Florida, their coaching staff continues to shuffle. Uh, Co-offensive line coach Darnell Stapleton is reportedly leaving for the Washington Commanders. Spent the last two seasons with the Gators, was one of Billy Napier's original hires to his staff. So Stapleton was an off-field assistant uh, line, offensive line assistant at uh, Louisiana back in 2021 under Napier, and he came with Billy over to Florida. Over Georgia, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier this week, but a little bit more clarity. Special teams coordinator Scott Cochran and offensive analyst Daryl Dickey both resigned to pursue other opportunities. Uh, Kirby Smart announced Kirk Benedict was promoted to replace Cochran as Georgia's special teams coordinator. Cochran joined Georgia as their uh, program special teams coordinator back in 2020, but had been serving in an off-field role since 2022. 
if you remember before that, he spent more than a decade at Alabama's Nick Saban's strength and conditioning coach there for the Tide. Speaking of Nick Saban, uh, Reese Davis talking about looking forward to having Nick Saban on the crew on College Game Day. On his College Game Day podcast, Reese Davis talked about expectations for him. He said, look, Nick has already shown a remarkable ability to slide into that seat and provide expert analysis. He handles the tapes well. He understands how to speak in headlines because he's a gifted public speaker and not just to his team. If you heard him in any other format, he really is quite impressive when he talks. I don't have any doubt that he will thrive in this role here. So uh, good stuff there from Reese Davis. All right. uh, While we return here on Lock on SEC, we've got a couple of SEC hoops tidbits and some baseball news as that's right. SEC baseball gets underway today. That's coming your way here in just a second. And this episode presented to you by our friends over at the Game Time app. Game Time is the fast and easy way for you to buy tickets for all your favorite sporting events. And right now, uh, new customers, if you've never signed up with them before, use our code Locked On. That's going to get you twenty dollars off your first purchase. They got killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seats. It is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. They are obsessed with finding you ways to help you save money on tickets. They have deals on tickets right at the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. So if you've been tailgating, you're hanging out in the tailgate lot, and you decide, hey, let me check some of these prices, see if I want to go, uh, it's the place to find last-minute seats. It is game time. They even have exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, and much more. Uh, they also feature the game time guarantee, which means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you. 110% of the difference. Go take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Terms apply. Download the Game Time app. Use our code Locked On. That will get you $20 off your first purchase. Again, download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, as we dive back into it here on Locked On SEC, we want to start with a little bit of SEC hoops news as Jay Billis. Uh, talking about some of the uh, tough environments in all of college basketball. And he puts Auburn near the top of that list on uh, the next round uh, show with those guys in Alabama. He talked about the environment at Neville Arena with Auburn. Uh, Obviously, they got the big win over South Carolina the other night, winning by 40. But Jay Bill is saying the jungle's been unbelievable. He said it may be even louder at times than Cameron Indoor. We've done games where Dan Schulman will lean over and say, I can't hear anything. You think we're going out over the air? So, obviously, one of the best environments in all college basketball. And Auburn fans can't wait for this weekend's game against Kentucky. Uh, college game day sharing Thursday that Auburn fans already camping out ahead of the game day pregame show on Saturday. Their visit to the Plains uh, Auburn joins Kansas as the only other program to have hosted game day in its last four seasons of travel. And um going to be a lot of fun. Auburn has won four of their last five games. Meanwhile, the uh, Naismith Trophy on Thursday, now it's five SEC players on their 30 players uh, watch list, which are trimming down since we're at the midseason point. But Kentucky's Antonio Reeves makes the list. Tennessee's Dalton Connect. Uh, Alabama's Mark Sears, Auburn's Jeanne Broom, and AM's Wade Taylor all on that list. So good stuff there. One football nugget uh, for those of you who care EA Sports dropping a teaser trailer on Thursday announcing that the long way to video game is coming soon, still in the development. And uh, EA Sports confirmed the game is set to come out this summer 
with a full reveal of the game set for May. Again, release date not been announced, but something to get excited about there for you video gamers who are into college football. Look, uh, a lot of us play that game back in our heyday in high school or college, and we'll be busting out the old video game consoles for that one. There is no doubt. All right, SEC baseball starts tonight. I'm super excited. For those of you who know I'm a big SEC baseball fan, I get it. Not everybody is, but uh, Chris Lamonis, hearing from his players about Mississippi State baseball picked in the preseason coaches poll last in the SEC. And that's not sitting well with his team. Chris Lamonis doing an interview on Sirius XM this week saying, our group is pissed. He said, you look at the SEC West, I think the last three national champions, four out of the last five, Arkansas had a chance to win it on their last play. But the West is just so talented. He said, should we be picked last? No, but that's our fault. Our mindset is to change that. We do talk about it. It's a little bit of motivation. Hopefully, I've got a pissed-off group that they feel like they have something to prove. Crystal Monis, by the way, uh, facing a little bit of uh, you know hot seat action. If he can't turn this thing around, they will definitely start uh, rumblings out there. will start to get a little bit louder. But the Bulldogs finished at the bottom of the SEC in 2022 and 2023 after winning it all in 2021. Uh, State outfielder Dakota Jordan did make the All-SEC second team, but he was the only Bulldog to make the All-SEC list. So the SEC once again expected to be the top conference in college baseball this year. USA Today coaches poll of eight SEC teams ranked, including three of the top five, six of the, of the top ten. They got LSU number two, Florida number three, Arkansas number four, Vandy at six, Tennessee at eight, and Texas A&M at ten. And that's not even to mention four other SEC teams received votes in the poll. Only Mississippi State and Missouri did not receive any votes. At least one SEC team has been in the finals in each of the past six College World Series and 14 of the last 15, with four of those featuring two SEC teams. But a little bit of primer heading into tonight. Arkansas picked as the uh, favorite in the SEC West. That's, you know, look, LSU won it all this past year, but... They're not even picked to finish the SEC first in the West. It's Arkansas. The Razorbacks should have one of the best pitching staffs in the nation, headlined by Hagen Smith and Brady Tiger. Um, Texas Tech transfer transfer Mason Molina rounding out that rotation. Razorbacks also added a ton of transfers to their lineup, and they uh, have a couple of returning starters. Peyton Stovall, he's been a stud. Kendall Diggs as well. Over to LSU, they picked to finish second in the West. Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens are gone, but... Jay Johnson, he's got that championship pedigree now. And Tommy White, he is back, arguably the best third baseman in the country. Tommy Tanks, as they call him, and a very lethal LSU lineup. They figure out the pitching thing. Uh, this may be a better, a more deeper pitching staff. As good as Skeens was last year, they don't have a Skeens this year, but depth-wise, this may be a deeper LSU pitching staff. But uh, someone prove it. They're going to have to go prove themselves. And certainly if they do that and find some studs, they could – certainly surpass Arkansas and win the West this year. Lastly, uh, they have A&M picked to finish third in the West. Pretty crazy when we're talking about their pick to finish third in the West, and they're a top-ten team in the preseason rankings. But A&M offense is going to be really good this year. Outfielder Jace uh, Laviolette and um, second baseman Ryan Targak are returning back to this lineup. Stanford transfer Braden Montgomery coming in, and the Aggies rotation coming together. Justin Lampkin in the mix see if they can get their way back to Omaha. Over in the east, it is Florida, national runner-ups. Lost to LSU in the championship series, but 
They bring back their two-way star and potential national player of the year, Jack Caglione. Um, also have some power bats in Brody Donne coming over from Virginia Tech and Colby Shelton from Alabama. On the bump, you'll have a freshman, Liam Peterson, and Cade Fisher moving from the bullpen to the starting rotation. So Florida, very lethal once again. Pick to finish second in the East, Vanderbilt, the Commodores, elite pitching and defense. But looking for that power at the plate. None of their projected starters have hit double-digit home runs in college, but on the mound, they may have the best staff in the nation with Carter Holton, Andrew Dukanich, and uh, Grayson Carter, along with Devin Futrell. Some studs there on the mound. Then Tennessee picked to finish third in the East. Chase Burns transferring to Wake Forest. Not uh, was not what Tennessee wanted this offseason, but the Vols do still have a lot of big names on their pitching staff. Drew Beam said to be the ace of the staff. I saw they uh, announced he's going to start the Saturday game this week, not the Friday game, but at the play, Tennessee hoping for another big season from some guys like first baseman Blake Burke, Christian Moore at second, Hunter Ensley and Dylan Dryling are their outfielders. So a lot of talent there as well. Looking forward to another awesome sec baseball season hopefully you guys are as well all right thank you guys for making locked on sec your first listen every day shout out to every dayers call back monday on the show recap all the action from the weekend uh for your second listen go check out locked on's first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube it's called locked on sports today just search for it there on youtube streaming for you 24 7 i'm chris gordy this has been locked on sec we'll talk to you guys on monday have a great weekend everybody